Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus and to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so, so grateful to have you here. Friday. Thank you so much for joining me today. On today's episode, I have the privilege of sharing a conversation that I had with Sister Cindy Fish a few weeks ago. I really believe that you are going to be blessed and ministered by everything that she had to share in this episode. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Cindy Fish. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing Sister Cindy Fish. Um, She and her husband, Brother Taylor Fish, are evangelists, and they minister around the world. They recently um, had an extended revival in Arkansas, and I believe you guys saw more than, was it 600 or 500 people baptized? You know what? They're actually still counting. They didn't stop when we left, and so I don't know. (laughs) It was a lot. It was hundreds. It was a lot. Crazy. So exciting. So exciting. So they've seen some really incredible things. And um, you may have heard the interview with Brother Taylor Fish a couple of months ago. He stepped in for Cindy when she wasn't feeling good. And we were finally able to reschedule. I'm so excited about that. They live in Silsby, Texas, and they have three children. And in just about a week and a half, they're going to be adding another one um, to their family. And thank you so much for being here today, Cindy. I'm just so excited for everything you're going to share with the unedited listeners. Thank you for having me. I am an unedited fan. (laughs) So um, I really am. I listen to every episode without fail, whether it's on Friday when you release or the next like Saturday or whatever. But um, I'm a fan. I love what you're doing and I tell everyone about it. I think it's awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. And I'm a fan of yours. Um, Cindy has a podcast. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but it's called At His Feet. And we originally connected because of our podcasts. And um, so she is using the podcasting platform as well. Um, So, yep, just thanks again. I'm so excited to have you here today. To get started, um, can you just share a little bit about your testimony, your family, your background? Yes. So um, just to introduce myself, my name is Cindy. She said that, Cindy Fish. I'm 31 years old. I usually forget my age, but I'm 31. I thought about it right before I said it. Um, (laughs) I have three kids, one on the way. And being a mom is my favorite thing in the whole entire world. Um, I think I'll try to tell it really short, but I didn't actually grow up in the church. And so any type of church, I didn't, I didn't have a family that went to church on Easter or, you know, not even that type, but, um, my family, my parents divorced when I was maybe four or five. It was just very, um, uh, rough and like turmoil and just a rough divorce. And that really it affects part of what I'm about to tell in a minute, but around maybe fourth grade, it was my introduction to some kind of a church. I had a friend through cheerleading that her parents 
were very faithful to a Baptist church, a town over. And I started going over there on Saturdays. They would take me to Sunday school and I learned things that I had never heard about. And their, their home was my introduction to a peaceful home, a functional family, you know, uh, Christian music. I was just blown away by like this family that, I mean, it's crazy to say, like, actually, like, loved each other and got along and um, had family time and went on trips. And they just had this beautiful family. They they have been so good to me through the years. But in that time, they loved me. They just loved me. And they took me and they would pick me up. If I couldn't stay the night, they'd still pick me up on Sundays. And so I'm so thankful for that time because it was just showing me, like, what life could be, what was normal for some people. And that was definitely my introduction to Jesus. Um, obviously, we we live a little differently now. I live differently now than what they lived. But the basis and the foundation of just like, we love each other. We're there for each other. We help other people. We uh, do things without expecting something in return. Those things I learned from them. And I'm forever thankful. And I definitely was a stepping stone in my walk with God. What is actually crazy is that while they're bringing me to church, my dad, um, my parents, you know, I said we're divorced and my dad was already living for God. He was already living truth, actually. Um, you know, when God draws someone, he just kind of pieces it together and he builds on what you have. And so, you know, their introduction to me of just godly life and, you know, trying to be clean, you know, just living for God the best we can. That was a stepping stone. And then my dad in 1999, worked at a car dealership by um, actually the Apostolic Church in Beaumont. And Brother Jason Cisco and Brother Marvin Cole were there at the time. My dad was super hungry for God. He's broken and he is just like, he's going to something every night of the week. He just wants to fill his calendar so he's not lonely. And he's filling it with Bible studies and he didn't care who believed what he's just going, you know, that type of hungry. And he walked next door to the church and he said, or maybe he drove, but he said, Hey, can I pray here on my lunch break? And I'm so thankful that they said, of course, I think it was brother Cisco that gave him a tour of the church and said, of course, come on whenever you want to, you know, the doors are open. And so he did that. And then of course that grows. And he went to church for the first time there on a Tuesday. He walked in. He said he went and sat on like the second row and he hated everything they were saying. He was like, no way. I don't like this. I don't feel comfortable. You know, it kind of grated against him. He went home and he said, I kept trying to prove it wrong and I'm digging through my Bible. And then I'm, I just couldn't prove him wrong. So he went back another Tuesday. And then after a while of going only midweeks, he started going all the time. But in 1999, when he started, I was seven and I had never heard anything good about my dad at the time, you know, with the, the rough divorce and I didn't know what to believe. And, you know, you're just a kid. And so I looked at what he had and absolutely did not want it. And he would try to talk to us about God and stuff. And I was like, no, what I have is enough. You know, I don't, I don't want it. I'm not interested. But he eventually married my stepmom and they just prayed. And so Fast forward, I would see them. We lived in, I actually lived in Virginia and they lived in Texas um, for my middle school and high school years. And so I would come in the summer and that's it. You know, that doesn't let you really cultivate relationship, but there was a lot of abuse in my home. 
um, was from what somewhat of a normal family on the outside. Right. But there was just not good things happening inside my home. And so I finally had the courage to leave and I call my dad and I'm like, I want to live with you. It didn't make sense to anybody because I never had a great relationship with my dad, but, um, I didn't really explain it. I just said, I'm just coming. I just want to come. You know, I didn't want to talk about what happened. I just wanted to go. I wanted a safe place. And I knew his house was safe. How old were you at that point? 17. 17. Okay. So he's already been in an apostolic church for basically 10 years. 10 years. This point. Yeah. Okay. Is that crazy? You know, we pray for people. I, I've only been in church since I was 18. And we pray for people and we're like, why isn't it happening? at least me. And then God reminds me of my timeline and the prayers that were prayed for me. And I'm like, okay, I can wait a little longer, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I move in, it's my senior year. And honestly, he made me go to church on Sunday mornings and I still didn't want any part of it, but I get, I went, you know, for nine, nine months, a whole school year of Sundays. And I just thought, I don't want this, you know? Um, and I just lived a kind of reckless life. I just did whatever I thought I was big enough to do, you know, like just not in a good, like just party scene and just all kinds of just not good stuff. And, and really it was in an effort, right. To deal with all the things I've been through, but mm-hmm. at 17, you don't understand that. And I didn't understand that Jesus was the answer to it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I ended up going to a church camp that summer. I don't even know. It's kind of crazy how it all happened, but I ended up there. And I remember pulling up to um, the campgrounds with the youth pastor in a big old white van. And he says, um, he's just talking. He's uh, David Moore. He's a children's evangelist now. But um, he's just like 90 to nothing, energetic, going off. And he's talking and excited. And I'm just not hearing a word he's saying. I'm looking at the sea of just apostolic young people in this, this just big green lawn. And it was in Lufkin, Texas. This is 2010. I'm 18 years old. And I said in my head, I didn't pray out loud. I didn't know how. I said, God, if there's something here, then I want it. Mm. And I said, if not, I'll do my own thing. And my own thing was, I had college plans. You know, I had cheered from fourth grade all the way till I graduated competitively. And so I was going to cheer in college. I already knew the team I was on. You know, I already knew my roommate for college. And I just had all these plans, you know? And so that was my own thing. And I know I would have failed. Like I absolutely, the route I was on, there's no way any of that would have even happened fully. But I just said, if there's something here, I want it. And there was something there. And on the Wednesday morning service, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Uh, Matt Tuttle, brother Matt Tuttle was preaching and Bishop Doug White, which he's actually now my bishop, which is so cool. I didn't know who they were at the time. I just, Knew there were these crazy screaming preachers. I can't tell you anything they preached, but Bishop White told his testimony. And when he did, it broke something in me. He came from a house of abuse and just rough life as a a kid and a teenager. And it just struck something in me. And I thought, okay, so if everyone's been saying wonderful things about him and he's been through all this stuff and God's still okay with it, then maybe there is a place for me. And so the very next service, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I went home from camp and I literally on this Saturday, I threw away everything that I could possibly get rid of that I thought wasn't pleasing to God in my closet, in my dresser, in my bathroom, you know, everything I could think of that I could do. And that grows like, right, we grow. But um, but I did that. And then a couple of weeks later, I got baptized and 
in Jesus name at my home church. And I have never been the same since I've not done it perfectly, but, um, I've just definitely never quit. And it's, it was such a radical overnight change. So that is my background and my story and my family is I'm not from this, but I have chosen this wholeheartedly and I wouldn't choose anything else. That, that is amazing. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about your meeting Taylor and you guys stepping into ministry and your kids, but Mm -hmm. As you were speaking, it really struck me. You said you were talking about the family that introduced you to church and started taking you to Sunday school. And you said their home was my introduction to a peaceful home. And what a ministry. Yeah, We live in a world where just due to the breakdown of the family and the breakdown of our society, so many kids and teens have no clue what it is to look to live or even know what it looks like to have that safe environment. And I think that's really instructive to somebody who might hear this, like maybe it's a mom in a season where they are a homemaker or they are a stay at home mom. And they feel like they're not doing ministry. That is ministry, right? Like you said, Um, that was the starting place of your understanding of God and the Bible and church. And they taught you about just Christian kindness. And that's really powerful. Truly. Okay. So I'll share this little it's actually recent and it is, it is ministry and God has just made me realize it sometimes in the role that I'm in. I don't always get to feel fulfilled in ministry, you know, um, Mm. before kids, you can go, go, go. And then you have kids and you have to kind of step back or, um, maybe not step back, but evangelizing doesn't always lend to my talents, you know, um, with kids and all that. Well, anyway, uh, when we were in Little Rock, my husband challenged us in that revival to pray impossible prayers. And he, they gave us this list and it was like five people that you want to win, uh, five prodigals that you're praying to come home and five miracles you want to happen. Well, I looked at my list the other day and I had written this family that lives down the street from me. It's four kids and I'm not here a lot, but I just, I've always had a burden for these four kids and um, I won't go into detail or anything about them, but I just knew God wants to touch them. And so I started praying. And then when I knew we were coming for revival here, I I wrote another list and I said, God, these are the people I want to reach. And um, I'm actually here. I can do it. Right. And so I've just had them, they come play in my yard and I give them uh, a bottle of water. I don't want to give them food and get in trouble, you know, but we bring all our toys outside and I let my kids play outside with them and I just hug them and love on them. And if they have a dirty face, I wipe their face with a baby wipe, you know, mm. and, um, and, or their arm, their hands or their feet, you know, and, um, they actually, I told our, our bus ministry, um, the head of our bus ministry, Crystal Maxwell, I said, there's this family on my road and I really want to reach them. And they won't quite let me like in that way. The parents will never answer the door type of thing. You know, the kids are just outside all day running around with no shoes and that's it. I can't ever talk to the parent. She went over there and she invited them and they answered and they've been coming to church on Sundays. They've came probably four Sundays. And then just last week, another family came and knocked on their door to do visits with all the, the van kids and um, found out that they had a connection from their childhood. They're, the kid's dad and then the dad of this family had a connection from their childhood, a very close connection. And just another way that God's like pulling them in saying, Hey, you can trust our church. And so then the two little, the two boys, there's a 13 year old and a seven year old, both have sought for the Holy ghost. I'm talking tears in the altar, 
when Taylor made a call for the Holy Ghost, like praying and genuine and sincere. And anyway, so I I can't I can't go on outreach with all four of my kids like my husband can on Saturday. Maybe some people can. I'm not or all three of my kids. I'm not superwoman, but um, <laughs> I can let these little kids come play and I can hug them and love them. And you know what they say every time they come and they say, we just want to hug Miss Cindy, you know, oh. can you just give us a hug? And they, I just hug them until they let go, you know? Mm. Um, so it is ministry and we forget that, but I know how that felt. You know, um, I had a fairly clean cut family on the outside of good jobs and all that, but it didn't matter. My home was still godless and, uh, not peaceful and just turmoil. So, oh wow! And what a miracle God has done! Done so cool, right? Yeah, so incredible. So you um, obviously had a very tumultuous upbringing when you're 17. You moved from Virginia to be with your dad. Started going to an apostolic church. Got the Holy Ghost when you were 18, and God just really changed the course of your life. How did you meet Taylor? How did ministry sort of unfold up to this point? Sure. Um, so Taylor and I met, we actually had a class together. We had geometry together. I was in 10th grade. He was in 11th. I had come my sophomore year of high school. I tried to live with my dad. I tried to move in after the summer, you know, that month in the summer, you get to go be with your other parent. I tried to move in and I just couldn't hang. Like I stayed for probably four or five months, not even. And I ended up moving back into the crazy house. So, but during those four or five months, we had a class together but we never spoke. We weren't alike. We had nothing in common. We didn't have similar friends or anything like that. And, um, but we knew who each other was. So I went to this camp and he sees me there, but Texas camp at the time was huge. It was before uh, North Texas had a, a split off to where it was a whole new district. Um, so it was a humongous district and there were so many kids there and he saw me and he was like, no way. Cindy Long, that's my maiden name, is at this camp. There's no way that she's doing something for God, you know? And so he couldn't find me though. He couldn't find me again. He didn't see me again. And so we get back from camp and he messages me on Facebook and he's like, were you at that camp in Lufkin? I said, I was, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I'm living for God now. And we just never stopped talking. He obviously wasn't like, safe for like relationship, like serious relationship. But what he did was he was my friend and he started bringing me books from his mom's um, collection. So the first book I ever read that was apostolic was uh, Power Before the Throne, uh, Ruth Reader. And then he loaned me another one of her books and he loaned me some Nona Freeman books. And, you know, something I love is that I always love to read growing up books were like treats as a kid. Like we'd go to books a million and I'd have arms full of books and I couldn't choose which ones I was able to get. You know, it was so hard to narrow it down. And so that's something that God used to disciple me. Uh, No one was really giving me Bible studies or anything like that because I had family in church. Um, But my family in church wasn't giving me Bible studies either. And so my friend, now my husband was loaning me these books and God was using them to just grow me and I just couldn't read them fast enough. And so I am forever thankful for apostolic authors because that's what grew me. That is what discipled me truly. So from there, obviously dating and stuff, but uh, at first we were friends. Oh, well, that's the best place to start. 
So then you guys got married and I I think brother Taylor really talked about this in his interview, like his call to ministry. How long have you guys been evangelizing now? Full time for six and a half years. Uh, We were honestly, ever since we got married, we were going not consistently. It'd be like two weekends a month or three weekends a month, but um, for four weekends a month, it's from seven years at least. But he, he left his job, his secular job, uh, six and a half years ago. Okay. And then tell me about your kids. <clears throat> They're so cute. Um, I have a seven-year-old. We have a seven-year-old. His name's Ezra. And he's he's just so much fun. He loves to read and Legos and all the normal boy stuff. And then we have a four-year-old named Abby. And she is... <laughs> She's just like a hot mess. Like she, she wants to be fancy and princess and all things like just fabulous. And so she'll have a princess dress on every day. She has a whole rack full of different dress up dresses. And then her hair will be like just wild and matted or something. I promise I brush it. It just, she has this crazy fine hair that knots up. And then she'll have like princess heels on. And then, you know, like a headband on that's like crooked, you know? So she, she's funny. She, she's very girly but she's also four. So, um, and then we have a two-year-old named Elias and he is just starting to show his personality. It's very mischievous and it's, he's really funny, very funny. And, um, in that two-year-old, it's just so much fun. It's probably my, it's not my favorite, but I, I love all my kids at two. When I look back at the pictures, I'm like, that's when their personality starts to show. And then we have a baby on the way, Anna, Camille, and we're excited. We're just ready. (laughs) Anna Camille, what a beautiful name. Oh, Thank I love you. that. Thank so, you. So, so pretty. Well, we're talking about your children. Um, one of the things that I've heard from young mothers or mothers with young children a lot over the years is I don't have time to read my Bible and pray. Honestly, yeah. and it is a podcast about reading your Bible and praying. Um, you just told us you have three, almost four kids. What would you say to mothers in the in that season or that have that challenge? So I think that it's something that is, we feel this pressure as just as anyone that's just apostolic or Christian or whatever. We, we feel this pressure that our devotion time or our time with God should look picture perfect. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't look like that perfect Instagram picture that I'm doing it wrong and maybe I don't know. So I think relieving yourself of that pressure and just saying, if it doesn't look perfect, that's okay. Because I'm just, I mean, no relationship looks perfect. No friendship. If I have a friend come over and I'm talking to my friend, my mom friend or whatever, you know how many times we're going to get interrupted by our kids? Like a million. So why, why would my walk with God be any different? Why would that relationship be any different in the young stages? Um, obviously you try to get that a long time, but it's just not always possible. Kids of multiple ages, some wake up early, some wake up late, some wake up in the middle of the night, you know, and sickness and all that. And so I think being flexible and stop putting pressure on yourself totally helps. Um, And just giving God the moments that you can. Mm. So what we do are, I, we're in revival somewhere all the time, right? Like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday or something. And then in the end of the week, usually my husband will fly out and he'll go to conferences and stuff like that. So our schedule is just a dot on every 
every day. It just feels like what we have this shared family schedule and it will stress me out if I don't take it day by day. So I just take it day by day. And some people might have it to where they can every day do the same time. And that's so cool. And I love that. And I'm jealous, you know, but (laughs) mine can't be the same day because the same time every day, because sometimes we'll be out really late with church. Sometimes I'll go to bed at a normal time. I can wake up earlier than my kids. It just depends. But um, the night before, every night I ask my husband, I say, what's on your agenda tomorrow? And we just talk about tomorrow. And then I think, okay, what's on the agenda for me? And I have to be very intentional to say, God, where do you fit in that? Like, where, where can I, where can I put you? And I know it just seems like, like just squeezing God in somewhere, but I don't, I don't think that we only talk to God that one time of the day, you know, but I do want to prioritize that lengthy time where God, you have my full attention. If you want to speak, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, so doing that and looking towards the next day, but also knowing that it can switch at any time. Um, I think something as far as reading um, that has helped me is I used to do Bible plans where you check off the list and you read all these chapters and it got like a duty and overwhelming into where I felt guilty if I missed a day. I would feel so guilty. Like, do you, I don't think God wants me to feel guilty because I read two chapters instead of three. You know, exactly. I don't, that's not, that was not, that was not the plan, you know, and, and no one planned those Bible reading plans saying, oh, we want people to feel bad if they don't make it, you know, no, it's just, it's a help. It's supposed to be a tool, but then it can make you feel guilty. And so I've started doing devotional books to where I read this short little page and it gives me three or four verses and some days, maybe I only read those three or four verses, but most days I realize, Hey, I have time for more. And the word just pulls me in and Mm -hmm. I'll end up reading, you know, four or five chapters or whatever it is. And God will speak and and, and just give me little thoughts and I'll be taking notes. And, and then it's like conversation, you know, because I've already prayed and God's speaking to me through his word because that's how he speaks to us. Right. One way. And so I, I like that. It's been a, a relief to me because it's like I checked off the box because I'm a rule follower and I like that satisfaction of completing something, but to where I also was free to do more, you know, as much as I want, as much as my kids and time allow. So switching to that, to a different, a different method and saying goodbye, Bible reading plans. I just want to get in the word, you know, and I've read the Bible in a year, different times and all that, but, and it has its place, but right now with really young kids and a crazy schedule is just not the time um, for me to feel that pressure, I guess. So that's helped. Um, and then just moving devotion around whenever you need to. So when I was sick, I couldn't do that episode because I had bronchitis. I was so sick and I, they wouldn't give me hardly anything because I'm pregnant. And so I would be up all night, all night. I would get up and I just couldn't hardly breathe. I would sleep sitting up and then at like five or 6 a.m. I would wake up wide awake. And so the first couple of times I tried to roll over and I'd just be miserable. And then I thought, you know what, God, I'm going to take advantage of this and Mm -hmm. let this work for my good. And so I started getting up and getting on the couch and it's five or 6 a.m. and not my normal schedule, but I got to have these whispered just um, prayer time with God. And it was so personal and everyone's asleep, you know, and he would speak to me. and, And so for it was like a month and a half where every morning, you know, I'd be getting up. 
and saying, okay, God, you know, and it was just conversation. It wasn't forced prayer. It wasn't, it was just quiet, you know, intimate conversation with God. And, um, I loved that, but then I got better and I started sleeping in, <laughs> you know, I was able to sleep a little bit more. I need to let my body heal. And so I realized, oh no, I lost my prayer time, you know? And so then I said, okay, God, I'm, I have a to-do list. I write like marker board lists. And I said, okay, on my list, I wrote, you know, do the dishes, you know, order groceries, do this, do that, you know, my to-do list. And then I would write coffee with Jesus. And, and it sounds kind of cheesy, but when I would lay my kids down for a nap, I would, I would save my coffee time. You know, I wouldn't do it in the morning. I would do my work, you know, and then I would make a latte and I'd go sit on the back porch with my Bible and a journal and just pray and man, God would meet me there, you know? And so, and I did that, you know, I've done that several times. And so it's just kind of what works, but I'm telling you the back porch coffee at 3 PM when my kids are asleep and, and it's a random time. It's not my first part of the day or anything perfect. I, God would come so close several times that I, I'm not kidding. I would like look up from prayer and just know that he could be sitting in the chair across from me, you know? Um, and he would just sweep in and just come so close that, you know, that's just really sweet presence that he'll come and, and he would speak and he would give me specific words for things and situations. And so I think being flexible, it can happen if we want it to happen, but being flexible and changing the time if you need to. And then all through the day, just letting him be woven through the day while I'm doing dishes, while we're, you know, changing diapers or talking to my kids or you know, maybe a worship song is playing and teaching them, Hey, this is how we worship. Let's talk to Jesus for a minute. Let's just give him our attention for a minute. Um, I think that he will, he's so personal and he'll meet us wherever we'll welcome him into. Mm. So perfection, it's not about perfection, but it's just about, are you welcoming him? Are you giving him a moment to come and meet with you? Um, or are you just saying, I don't have time for that. So wherever I'm willing to carve out a moment for him, He'll take that moment, you know, picture perfect or not, he'll take it. That's so beautiful. And it, it you know, he loves, I, you're talking about meeting him on the back porch and how he would just mm-hmm. sweep it and his presence would be so sweet. I mean, God loves to be sought out and I love everything that you said. Um, make it a priority, but be flexible with it. Yes. And, and it's relationship. Um, kind of coming out of that question, how has Bible, and I know we've probably touched on this a little bit, like for this mm-hmm. particular season of motherhood, but how has Bible reading and prayer been part of your journey? Like since you came into church and throughout getting started in ministry in an official capacity. Right. So when I came to God at 18, um, it was such a drastic change in lifestyle. And so my previously full calendar got really empty really quick because I couldn't do the things I used to do. And I couldn't hang out with the people I used to hang out with because we just didn't mesh anymore. You know, there's no way I could hang out with people just living in all sin if I'm trying to get away from it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there was this emptiness and, um, even, um, it was really hard, but even at the time, my mom and my sister really pulled away from me too. They didn't live this. They didn't understand it. And they didn't agree with it and um, they still don't. But uh, so it left such a void of, I couldn't even just call them if I got lonely, you know, and that was usually my call. No, I didn't have new friends yet. Didn't have relationships formed. Those take time. 
And so my free nights, Friday and Saturday night, used to, they were never free. Well, they were all of a sudden very open. And um, in my loneliness, God just became my friend. And I just learned how to talk to him. And I know that sounds cheesy, but. No, not at all. I I built that relationship with him then because it's carried me now that same intimate relationship. Cause I've been lonely many times since and, um, and will be many times more, you know? Um, but at the time, you know, if it wasn't a church event, I didn't have anything on my, my schedule or work, you know? And so I would turn on music. There was this apostolic girl.com website and they had this playlist and it had a bunch of, I don't even know what was on it, honestly, but it was just Christian music. And I knew, okay, I'll listen to this. I, t- I would turn it on my laptop and I would just get out my Bible and I would just pace the floors in my tiny room. And I would just talk to God and I would pray and I'd pray for my family and I would weep and I would just thank God for what he was doing. And I would read the word. And um, so I learned his voice though, during that time, I really learned his voice because I was trying to figure him out. Like, I know I had this great experience, but God, who are you? And what are you about? And what do you want from me? And, you know, all those things. And so I would read the word and I would get, you know, highlighters out and pins out and mark it all up. And I had this brand new Bible that I had been given with my name on it. And I would just dig through it and just try to make sense of it. And I think my favorite at first was definitely Psalms. I could relate so much to those big emotions because I was feeling so many emotions and, and everything, you know, when you come to God, you know, yeah, the first things I got rid of was outward things, clothing and jewelry and, and obvious things that I knew, like, I don't feel comfortable in this anymore. You know, things that I knew personally, God had dealt with me about, but when you come to God, it's not just outward, you know? And he's digging stuff up. And so you're constantly just having to deal with flesh and trying to get it out and trying to change. And, and so I would, I definitely related to Psalms a lot. That's probably my favorite. Um, those just big emotions. And then obviously I thought the wording was so beautiful in the worship and all that. Um, but I just began journaling and writing and highlighting and, and digging do, deep and um, really just, making roots, growing roots and, um, getting stable. And I, I was, I guess, making up for lost time. Um, obviously I wish that I wish that I would have taken what my dad offered a lot sooner, you know, when he would tell me about God and his church. But, um, I do believe though, that that time I was just so into it that, um, God used me really quickly in ministry after that little year maybe, Mm -hmm. um, because I was so all in, I had nothing else. And then I did everything else in my life all the way. I'm a mind swell, lived for God all the way. And so that just digging deep and learning who he was and learning his voice and, and praying and letting him teach me how to pray. And I mean, it was multiple nights a week of hours. Cause what else are you going to do? You know, I, I didn't know what else to do. And, um, so yeah, that, that was definitely the, the whole way that I say living for God is learning who he was through the word and through prayer. I love how you said in my loneliness, God became my friend. And how many times do we fight lonely seasons? Um, yeah. As opposed to turning them into a birthplace for, you know, obviously, like you said, ministry, but just relationship and intimacy. Yeah. 
and and learning his voice that that's such a beautiful line and you know I love that you can identify that the ministry that he's developed in your life came out of that year of really just you and him alone in your bedroom yeah right that's so powerful. That kind of feeds into talking about your podcast. Um, like I mentioned, when we opened up, you have a podcast called At His Feet, um, which I have been blessed by and have enjoyed. And um, can you just share a little bit about your passion behind that, how you decided to start a podcast, maybe some advice, you know, how do you do it with young children? Or what would you say if somebody's feeling to use their voice in that way? Yeah, Um so, so like five questions in one. Sorry. I get it. No, it's fine. You were good. <laughs> so my husband, uh, Taylor, he is like a go-getter and a doer and a dreamer. And he just, when he makes up an idea, he just does it. So we had been basically sent off the road from COVID and he thought, Hey, I want to do a podcast. And so the next day he is researching microphones and he orders one. And I love podcasts. I've loved them for years and years and years. And um, like, okay, my favorite first podcast was Ministry Mentorship. It's still up. Jacob Tapia. Have you ever heard those? I haven't. These, it's incredible interviews. And he would just get these just incredible preachers and he would interview them. And the Janice Showstrain one is my favorite interview on there. But I, I mean, I've, I've listened to them for years. Well, um, and that's not a current podcast, but it was just one of the first ones I ever found. Um, but anyway, so I've always loved podcasts and I always thought I would love to do that. And I feel like I knew I had journals of stuff to say, but I'm like, God, when are you going to give me to go ahead to say something, you know? Uh-huh. And, um, and so he bought this microphone and I'm like bugging him about it. Hey, when are you going to start? Are you going to use that? And I knew how much it costs, you know? So I'm like, you just did that. And he never went through with it. Well, what happened was he got busy on the road again and started uh, just traveling out. We would stay home and he would preach out even in the middle of COVID. And so I was like, if you're not using that, can I use it? Can I do this? And I immediately knew the name and I immediately knew what I wanted to talk about. Um, I've always had a love for like girl stuff. So when we youth pastored, girl events were my favorite. I was all about it. We did uh, monthly, sometimes every other week, girl events and series and just different things. Cause I just thought it was so fun. I just, I like teaching in that way. Um, and I, I just like, I like that. And so, I mean, not even a month before this, I had remember praying and saying, God, you know, one day being an evangelist, there's a lot of things we say one day too. I say one day, you know, if, if God ever takes us off the field and I love what we're doing, I'm content. I know we're in the will of God, but I can still have dreams. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm like one day, maybe we would do a garden if we weren't evangelizing uh, one day, maybe we'd have a puppy. Our kids would love a puppy, but we can't do those things evangelizing. And that's okay. Um, so I remember praying not even a month before God, one day, if I'm ever steady somewhere, if I'm ever in one place, I would love to do a ladies Bible study and, um, and just have like snacks and drinks and just love on people and just share the word and, and just talk and just have this community of women. Um, whether it's like all sinners in my neighborhood or what I study, I don't care what it is, God, I just, I would love that. I would enjoy that. And that would be something that would be, um, like a cup filler to me. And, 
um, as I was asking Taylor about this microphone, God reminded me that I had told him that and prayed that. And I thought, okay, well, why wouldn't I just do this? Because this totally can be community in that way. And it has been. And I made lots of new friends through it. You know how that goes. And, and you see people and they know your heart and they've heard so many things from you that when you meet them, it feels like that's your friend, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll share testimonies with you. I love that. I love getting messages of, hey, God did this or you know, I was going through this and you shared this word and whatever. Um, And so I realized, hey, this could be community. And so I said, okay, God, I can't do the other. I can't have an in-home Bible study, but I can take the time to dig in the word and share it with somebody, whoever wants to listen. And I don't care who wants to listen, just whoever wants to. And it really took off more than I thought it would. And um, so I have enjoyed it. I just, I think if you want to do one, just take the leap and do it. And don't wait on perfection because that it might, doesn't have to be perfect. You know, mine's definitely not perfect. <laughs> I, my microphone like disconnects every other week. And I mean, all this stuff, right? Like it's, it's complicated because I'm not really high tech at all. Me but, um, either. <laughs> right. I know. So, you know what? And just do it. And no one cares if it's perfect because people just want to hear something real. They really crave what's real. And um, as far as when do I have time? I don't, but I just find it. <laughs> so I'll, I'll record it like midnight in my closet or something. Um, or I have gone down for the hotel. I'll go to like the conference room or something. And um, I, I've edited it as late as 2 a.m. before, you know, um, it's just finding that little, little moments of time, uh, writing notes with a napping newborn on my lap. I've done that many times, you know, um, so just, carving out the time, but I don't do it during nap time because that time is like nap time is like sacred, you know, (laughs) for me, typically it's my pure alone time. And I save that for just prayer and reading. And, and then after I finish that, if I still have time, I take a nap, (laughs) but, um, but but yeah, so I just squeeze it in whenever. And if you want to do it, you'll find the time and uh, maybe you can't, put out content as much as other people, but as a young mom, but, um, you can surely do it. And I believe God's given us all something to say. And so if you have something like on your heart to share, share it. And, and maybe it only reaches a few people, but who cares? You did what you felt to do. So. Right. And I think that's the key is like, if you feel the Lord leading you to do it, right. right. Cause I don't think every single person is called to start a podcast that that reminds right. me of something I heard Mark Batterson say about book writing. He said, if you, if God called you to write a book and it only touched one person, would it be worth it? Absolutely. Right. Like, right. and it's the same thing. Like, I think we have to just, again, if, if we feel God calling us to do something, we have to take the end result out of the equation. Our, our step is obedience, not the end product. Right. And the numbers and all that, because you can see all these statistics and, and that's cool. It's fun to watch and it's fun to see um, it grow and all that, but really who cares what the numbers, you know, Um, I'm, I'm not going to push and, and read lists of how to get more listeners or how to, you know, I just want to share what's real and authentic. And, and, you know, as if someone else wants to just share what's real, share what's genuine, you know, the reason why people listen to you, Meg, is because, you're you're genuine and you're vulnerable and you're reading personal journal entries, personal things that you've written and and had stored away for years. And God finally gave you to go ahead to 
hey, it's time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why that's resonated with so many people is it's personal and it's relatable and it's raw and it's real and unedited, right? <laughs> truly, <laughs> unedited. truly. Yes. But you know what? Uh, I have, I know people that, that listen and have even bought your book that don't live what we live but we're hungry for God and they're reading it and they've shared like on Facebook and stuff, a city over that um, they're, you know, so you're reaching more than just apostolics. You're reaching the hungry and and those that want what's real. And I feel like that grows into more too for them. Yes. And let it be, that has been a huge prayer for me that it would, yes, touch apostolic people, but that it would reach beyond. I feel like, um, you know, everybody is in the demographic of people that need Jesus. Right. And I hope unedited is for everybody, but thank you for sharing that about, you know, just kind of God placing that burden on your heart. Podcasting was a way you could fulfill this burden or this desire Mm -hmm. you had to do a Bible study, but your schedule really didn't facilitate it. I love that. And I'm so glad that, um, at his feet is, is reaching so many people and just helping again, I think really share a similar message, right? Time at his feet. That's the best part that can't be taken away. Right. It's the good, the good part. Yeah. The good part. Oh, it's, it is. And it does when you, I love how you said earlier, the word draw drew you in with the word would draw you back in where you maybe Mm -hmm. started off just having like you know, you're talking about in the season of young motherhood, yeah. having really time to read a verse or two or three or four, but then later on in the day, you're like, oh, I have time for more. Like that's what it becomes. Yeah. It becomes the hunger and a desire. Um, so beautiful. I was just going to ask you, I know you and brother Taylor, I really mentioned it when we introduced you that you guys have seen some pretty incredible things in your travels. How do you see your role in supporting his ministry? So I, I think it's just to always know that we are a team mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and just saying, okay, we are a team. Like we are not fighting against each other. We're not, you know, working against each other, but we're a team. And so I'm for him, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing as being a minister's wife uh, or really just a wife, honestly, if you want to be a godly wife is to be their biggest cheerleader because, um, They have enough negative voices. He has enough, you know, just he comes out of the pulpit sometimes. And I'm telling you, like miracles happen that service, you know, and people get the Holy Ghost, all this stuff. And he's like, man, that was a horrible message. And he's not just saying that, but, you know, it's just like that, just that bombarding of just negative thoughts that will come to us, you know. Mm. And so he doesn't need me adding to it. And so if I have something that's not positive to say, I just should keep my mouth shut for a minute. Mm. And in in those moments of ministering to just say, no, that was awesome. Honestly, I just, before he even has anything to say, usually I'm like, man, I loved this point. I loved that God did this today. Did you see God, you know, feel that, that young kid with the Holy ghost. Did you see that family get a breakthrough, you know, pointing out, look at what God did. Um, and, and it's crazy that he would have those thoughts to me, but it comes to everybody. None mm-hmm. of us are into that. You've had negative thoughts, right? I've oh, had yeah. negative thoughts. <laughs> I've got down from um, speaking at something and, and been like, whoa, I would never want to do that again. You know? <laughs> and then you get up and you do it again. But I, I think just being his biggest cheerleader and encourager and just saying, I'm with you before he goes to preach. I'll say I'm for you. I'm with you. We're praying for you, praying for him. And um, 
if God shares something with me, I'll share it with him, you know, but, um, you know, like different times God's given a vision or something like that. And I say, God just showed me this, you know, and you do what you want with it, but God just showed me this. Um, but just being on his team, we are a team Mm. and, um, not allowing myself to think that I'm just being drug along because in the beginning of evangelism, I felt like that. I felt like it, but it was that negative voice. You know, I felt like, man, I'm just being drug all over the, the country, you know, and we've got this little baby that I'm tending to. Well, that's my part of ministry right now mm-hmm. is tending to our, our children and God's blessed us with them. And so, um, realizing that, uh, it's a weird thing to say, but realizing that, yes, he's the seen face, you know, um, and that's okay. Why, why is that not okay? You know, that that's okay that he's the, the face of our ministry and that he is, um, I mean, cause let's be real, like flyers and, uh, real reels and, and, uh, promotions on Instagram and all that stuff, you know, um, but that our whole family I'm teaching my kids, Hey God, when he gave you to us, he knew that you would be in our family and he knew that you'd be part of our ministry and he has something for you to do. And so teaching my kids how to work altars, working altars, you know, um, getting behind the burden of the message, paying attention to the message, uh, clapping and amening and, and being with him while he's preaching and then working altars at the end and feeling that same burden, you know, taking up that burden of the message and, and saying, okay, God, I, I hear what you want to do because I heard the word and now I'm going to help facilitate that, you know? So I think just being a team, we're, we're a team and being okay with not being known or seen or what, whatever, you know, or, or being in the nursery with a kid that won't stop crying or uh, just understanding that it's, that it's our season. And my part to play right now is definitely mothering our children and taking care of that. And then also cheering him on. Hmm. It's easy, I'm sure, to feel. And I remember even just not in ministry, but bringing little kids to church alone and alone. You know, you can feel like, why am I even coming? So, you know, but that's so cool. Just saying how you're on his team and it says in the, the Bible, marriage two shall become one and you are as much a part of it, whether you're the quote unquote seen face or not. Right. Or his support system or such a huge piece of it. Um, I recently heard you on Unashamedly You, and that's another podcast. And I heard you talk about being an intercessor for end time revival. Can you just talk about that? I feel like that kind of flows out of that last question a little it bit. Does. Yeah, it does. So I did share that there and I didn't think I was going to share it with her, but I just Oh, it just flowed out of me and I had to share it, you know, like, you know, one of those things before you even get the words out or before you even think about it, you got the words out. Well, that's what happened. Um, so I, I'm sure someone listening has probably heard this, heard about Asbury revival when it was happening. Um, my husband, he went and he ended up getting to share the gospel and, and, Oh, they prayed in the field for over like five hours, praying people through the Holy Ghost and sharing oneness with them. And they were able to baptize a young man. And then that young man ended up staying and he's still living for God today. And he ended up baptizing people the next day. You know, I mean, just this wild thing that God did. Well, 
it kind of stems from the last question because whenever uh, my husband went to Asbury, I was in the evangelist quarters back in Little Rock and he flew over there to, is that Kentucky? I don't know where that was. Uh, I think it was Kentucky. My memory's Wilmore, Kentucky. Okay. Maybe. I don't know the city, but I know it is Kentucky. Yeah, it is. But anyway, so he flew there and it was an overnight trip. And I said, yes, go, you feel it, you know, and I had watched videos and I felt the burden. I had wept for these people, you know, like, oh God, what you're doing, just let someone come, like, like just reveal it to them, whatever. Anyway. Um, so he went and when he went, someone, several someones had like, when he got up to basically they're in a field, they're playing music and stuff. And he stands up and this lady says, Hey, do you have something to say? And he lifts up his Bible and he says, I do have something to say. He's had his Bible open. I think it was to Acts 19 maybe, but anyway, he shares the word and it got shared and it was shown and it was on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and so very seen. And it just, just got shared all over. Well, that wasn't in his plan. You know, he didn't say, Hey, let me set up this tripod or Hey, someone video me. But it was just this organic moment. And it's what happened. It's the world we live in. We video everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so that got videoed. And as it was shared online, I started getting these messages come in and people were like, thank you so much for your ministry. It's so awesome what y'all are doing and y'all, right? And I say we're a team, but in that moment, I'm like wishing I was there, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. what an incredible God moment. And and then the moment, every time I would get a text that would come in and be like, thank you for y'all's sacrifice. Thank you for going. I'm so glad y'all, y'all went. Well, I don't need to clarify to every person that texts me, well, actually I'm at home with our kids, you know, or in the evangelist quarters with our kids, you know, um, doing the not fun part of laundry and, and dishes and, and just keeping everything running and homeschool and all that. And so I would, the first thing every single time that I would think was, I'm just the babysitter this week. Like it just, I just feel like the babysitter right now, which is a horrible, ugly thought, but you know what? I'll just be real. And it happened. And it was the thought, you know, and, um, Cause something so cool was happening and who doesn't want to be in the middle of that? Like praying people through, like, why would I not want to be a part of that? Anyway. So a couple of days later, not even, not even like maybe two days later, uh, I was putting my kids down for bed and this really is all connected. I'm putting my kids down for bed and I'm praying for them before bed. It's my older two in the evangelist quarters, big bed. And my youngest is in a pack and play. And I have my hands on their, on them and I'm just praying and, that just praying bedtime prayer just went to something really deep, really quick, like really quick. And, um, it's like God, all God wanted was for me to start praying that night, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just began to weep and just, I felt such a heaviness and doing what we do. There's different attacks on our family or on our health or, you know, different things. And so I didn't know what it was. I started praying for my kids. I felt heaviness. I felt burden and I couldn't identify it. So I just start just put my hands on both their heads and I'm just praying in the Holy ghost, you know, and it's just, just deep, just a pushing kind of prayer. Like, but there was such a flow to it and I didn't know what it was. And finally it just like barely lifted. I, I don't know how long I stayed in there. I stayed a very, what felt like a very long time, just praying in the Holy ghost, praying in the spirit and, um, intercession. I didn't know what for the next day I wake up. And, and even that night I go to bed Taylor's like, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't get away from it. I couldn't let it, it wouldn't lift, you know, I said, lift a little bit. I can go to sleep now. So I went to sleep and the next morning, everything I'm doing, I'm doing dishes. I'm like leaned over the kitchen sink, just 
praying in the Holy Ghost, like it would just hit me in ways like this, this overwhelming, just heaviness and this desperate, like need to push in prayer, you know, and I'd be doing, doing the laundry and I'd have to stop and just lean over the, lean over the uh, washing machine, you know, just praying and praying, praying all through the day. It's been like this, just these waves of this heaviness. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know? Well, I put my kids down for a nap and I go and I plop on the couch, like, whoo, break time, you know? And as soon as I plopped down, God had been just waiting on me to stop. Like, okay, let me talk to you today, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I've been praying that way, but it wasn't like, I didn't really stop and be like, whoa, God, what is this? You know? So as soon as I sat down, God spoke to me and he said, you're, you are to be an intercessor for end time harvest. Mm-hmm. And it felt like such a heavy thing to hear. And it felt like there's no way I'm repeating that because that's a big thing to say. Um, but later that I, and I, and of course I responded in prayer. Yes, God, I will. You know, what else do you say? God tells you something like that. It's like a command and you say, yes, sir. You know, <laughs> yes. If you'll use me in that way, if you have something for me to do, I'll do it. And so I did pray in that moment. Um, and, you know, went on with the day and later that evening, though, a friend reached out to me that was in that same city. And she said, Hey, I want to talk to you because I've had this heaviness in prayer. She's like, I'm going to prayer. And all I can do is just, just cry and pray in the Holy ghost. And she said, but it's just such a heaviness. And even when I leave prayer, I still feel this heaviness. She's like, do you think maybe like my levels are off? My blood levels are off. Like, you think I'm depressed? Like, I don't know what this is. I've never felt something this heavy in prayer and this push to prayer. Well, I'm not saying that nobody's levels are ever off or blood or whatever. Like, of course that it's valid. Um, but considering what I was feeling in that moment, it was, I knew I needed to tell her. And so I told her, I said, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with you in that way uh, or anything to address in that way. I said, this is what God spoke to me. This is what I felt last night. This is what I felt today. This is what God spoke to me. And I think he's, it's for you too. And she was like, oh yeah. She said, I feel it, you know? And so then after she told me that I'm like, okay, I need to tell my husband. So I was like, you know, Katie, or I said, you know, my friend, she wouldn't mind. Her name is Katie, but she wouldn't mind me sharing. So it's fine. Um, I said, you know, uh, she reached out and she told me this and this and told me how she was feeling. And I told him what happened. He was like, wow, it's so powerful. Well, you know, the significance of it is he had just gone and been God's hands, you know, and, mm-hmm. and his mouthpiece in that moment at Asbury and preached the word and laid hands on people. They received the Holy Ghost and was able to give the message. Right. Um, and I felt in that moment because I kept getting it's because I kept getting these texts. Of, uh, like I said, I don't have to repeat it, but I felt in that moment man, I'm doing nothing. Mm. I'm doing nothing. Like I'm here doing nothing. And God wanted me to know, maybe your part looks different, but you do have a part to play. Yeah. It's intercession and it's intercession and it's needed and, and it's not seen, but it's needed. And, um, so I, I told him and he was like, wow, that's powerful. Well, that Sunday at church, he's not good at keeping secrets. Middle (laughs) of his message, he tells, I mean, I, come on. You know, he always does it to me, but um, like if I see a vision or I tell him, I'm like, I tell him about it. Well, he's, but I know he's going to tell it. Well, he tells it. And I'm like, you just tell my, my, my secret, you know, anyway. Um, so he tells it to the church and it's related to his message and everything. Well, a young woman 
married, but young comes up to me afterward and said, you know, all week, every time their church is real big on, they go to the church to pray every day um, in the church. It's really cool. Actually, they pray music going, it's dim. They all check in. They'll have hundreds come each day to go to prayer. So powerful. Well, she said, every time I've come to prayer this week, this last week, all I could do was weep and groan. It was like the moment I walked in the sanctuary to come to prayer time, all I could do was weep and groan. And she said, I don't understand. I didn't understand it. My husband was like, are you okay? Do you need a doctor? Like she said, cause it was so hard to let the heaviness lift because she wasn't doing, you know, when, when God pulls you to intercession, he's trying to get you there. Well, there's also other ways you have to respond the right way, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to, and then you can't just walk away with that. You have to like set it down and, and praise. And, and before you get up and give Thanksgiving, before you give up, we'll get up. Well, she wasn't doing any of that. She's just laying there on the ground, you know, just, just groaning in prayer and weeping and praying in the spirit and then getting up and like not leaving it there carrying that heaviness with her. And so um, she was like, that's what God was trying to show me. Like, okay, I'm so glad to know there's nothing wrong with me, but that he was trying to take me somewhere and he was trying to use me. And um, when she shared that, I knew, okay, I need to share this because um, to me, it's like God is rallying intercessors. That's, that's to me, that's what it is. There's, there's a call that God is rallying intercessors for the end time harvest. And um, I want to be a part of that. You know, I know we know that we know that we're at the end. We know that Jesus is coming. Well, that's not a surprise to us, but that we have a part to play in that, that he wants us to do something in that waiting. Um, there's such a work to be done. Right. Um, and some will be the hands and some will be right. The mouthpiece and preach the word, but I'm going to be the prayer. You know, I'm going to be um, at a, best as I can give God that part of me. And it's a sacrifice of your time. It's a sacrifice of your energy. You get up from intercession and you're, you feel weary, you know, you feel tired, you feel spent. Um, but it's worth it. Like you said, uh, writing, writing a book, if it was for one soul would be worth it. Well, praying a prayer like that, that exhausts you is worth it if it's for one soul. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think it should really grip our hearts that we are in the end time, you know, and, and who knows, who knows right when God will come. We don't know, but we should be ready. And it should really grip us that so many are lost. It should really just grip our hearts that so many are lost and, and that we have the, the ability to pray prayers that draw sinners in. We have the ability to pray prayers that give in boldness to saints, to witness in the end time. And we have the ability to pray prayers that would strengthen the laborers because mm-hmm. the laborers that's who, that's who needs to be strengthened, right? Because the harvest is there. It's always been there. It's always going to be there. There's always going to be just people that need the Lord. But um, he's given us a tool, though, through intercession mm-hmm. to be used by him and, and to do a work in the end time. I think that is. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, I have heard, um, it was, I think I've heard Josh Herring talk about it a couple of times. But I know I've heard about Billy Cole um, and he said, sister, I think it was Josh Herring said, sister Billy Cole had taught him the first sign that you're being called to intercession is depression or like heavy, depressive feelings. Yeah. 
And I think if we don't recognize that and we, I mean, I had never heard that before. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Because sometimes you do just have a heaviness that there's no way other to process through it and for it to lift, but to pray through it. Um, And I think, you know, how many times are we addressing that heaviness in some other way? But God right. wants to, like you said, rally intercessors. One of my favorite quotes going way back to fourth grade is from Dwight Moody. And he said, every mighty move of God will be traced back to a kneeling figure. Yeah. And our prayers, you know, however God uses us, like you said, the hands or the mouth or, or the feet. I mean, the prayers are equally important right. in the harvest. And I love how you said the harvest isn't the problem. The workforce is the problem. Um And so God's calling each and every one of us to be a laborer, whether that's through prayer or going or speaking or some other, other form, teaching Bible studies, um, all important and and prayer is equally important. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's really instructive and really, really powerful. Um, In your opinion, what if, what do you feel it would do to the kingdom of God if we all learned to be at his feet? Like the title of your podcast said, if we learned how to linger at the feet of Jesus. Okay. So <laughs> I think my answer is really short. Uh, just because it's so simple. It's, it's the lingering that changes us. Mm. It would be truly changed. How many of us and how many times so we walk in service after service, prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and we get up the same as we knelt down or the same as we went to the altar or the same as we walked in. And I just think it's the lingering and spending that overtime with Jesus that makes us more like him. And if I'm not spending time with him, how can I be like him? How can I even know him enough to be like him? And so that lingering at his feet, that and it's that you know, that at his feet type of prayer, it's, it's that bowed low. It's, it's not a militant prayer. It's not, a um, I think we're good at that. We're good at that powerful prayer, but that at his feet type of prayer, it's, it's intimate and it's personal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we need both. We need both. We need to know how to work in the spirit and we need to know how to bow low and just say, Lord, it's just me and you right now. And I don't care about anything else and that nothing else matters. And I'm not going to worry about my to-do list or my, you know, problems or you know, anything else but you. And if we'll just get down and we'll focus on just him for a minute, I think it puts everything in a perspective, but also it would change us because we'd be, we would, after spending time like that with him, you get up and you're changed. Hmm. And um, I don't really have a long answer, but, but that it's, it's the lingering that will change you. And we would, we would all be different. We would be more like him. Our responses would be different, you know, uh, everything that we did, uh, the things that we say, the way that, you know, offenses wouldn't really last if we did that. Right. Because he would get down to his feet and he would see right the nail scars and he would say, what's really, what's perspective, you know, like it would just put it into perspective. What really matters is not the person who talked about me or not the hurt that I have or not this misunderstanding or whatever it is. Um, so we would just, we would all be different. It would change us because we would be more like him and we would know him. We would get down at his feet and see the nail scars and it would change our perspective. That That's beautiful. It's the lingering that changes us. Thank you so much for that answer. That might not be long, but it didn't need to be long. It was, that's powerful. 
Um, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you have little kids and they're napping. So I just want to ask you one last question in closing. Um, is there anything else? Is there anything you're passionate about talking about? Or is there anything else that you would like to share with the unedited listeners in closing? You know, I, one verse actually, and it's one that's just been really close to my heart. Um, earlier, we were kind of talking about motherhood and and how it was so hard sometimes bringing young kids to church. And um, when my oldest was a newborn, so seven years ago, I remember getting so just defeated and, and feeling like in a service, especially or in a prayer meeting, that I couldn't give all, God all my attention. And then over and over even in a moment where I wasn't able to give him my attention. Um, and it may not have happened every service. You know, sometimes I did leave defeated, but God would just come in and he would come close and he would speak to me or someone would come and they would lay hands on me and it would be just like, just what I needed or, um, or he would just minister to me, you know? And even in moments where I couldn't give him all my attention, even in moments where I felt like, why am I even here? You know, why did I even come tonight? And then two minutes later, here God swoops in and he's like, the comforter, you know, in that moment. And, um, I never was able, I would always explain it to my husband when those moments happened. I'd be like, I was so defeated. I was thinking, why am I even here? I should have stayed in the evangelist quarters tonight, you know, like with the teething baby or, and that's not a reason to stay in. But as a mama, when you're so frustrated and, and, you know, some churches don't have nurseries. So I'd be out in the foyer or out in the car with a screaming kid. You know, I mean, just, and not in my element, not in my home church. And it would just be really hard. And, I never could fully explain it to him. And then one day I read this verse and I, it just explained it perfectly. And I, I want to read it. I, I, I read it and I told him, I'm like, this is what I've always been trying to tell you. <laughs> it's uh, Isaiah 40 and 11. And it says, um, I, I'm trying to find the KJV. <laughs> Or, yeah, I'll just, I'll read ESV, Isaiah 40 and 11. Sorry, I didn't have it pulled up. It came to mind earlier and I thought, no, the moment's passed. I don't need to share it. Um, Because he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Mm. And that last part that he gently leads those that are with young. And so it, it is put into words how, how he had treated me, you know, as a new mama of young babies and, and just struggling and, and, and feeling defeated or feeling upset or, or just feeling that weight of having a new baby, because there is a lot of stress to it mm-hmm. and you're all over the place. And you just sometimes just feel just so just out of it, you know? Um, but just to a young mom, probably, um, just a reminder that, he gently leads those are the, that are with young. And so when you feel defeated or when you feel upset, just remember, like, he understands. That's what that says. Like, he understands. He knows that he has to deal with you a little bit different. And it's not a pass to never respond, you know? And it's not mm-hmm. a pass to just go sit in the nursery every service. Um, get in there every time that you can, but also understand that he understands. You know, he knows where you are. And he'll be gentle with you And um just allow him, allow him the opportunity to be gentle with you, allow him the opportunity to come and sweep in after a moment of frustration or, or just feeling, why am I even here? You know, just know that in those moments he sees you and he'll come close. 
Amen. Amen. I love that. I know I said that was the last question, but I am going to just ask you about one other thing. I've heard you you talk about it in a couple of places. I don't remember where, but I heard you talk about insecurity. And I feel like this is a very common struggle, whether we're male, female, old, young, it's our humanity. It's our pride that can tell us we're not capable and comes in so many forms. Can you just kind of close out just maybe encouraging somebody who's struggling with insecurity or just some, some thoughts on that? So, um, I have talked about a lot of places because it, it's been a a constant thing that I have to say, no, I'm not giving into that. No, I'm not going to bow to that and give up or, um, hide behind that, um, feeling not enough or feeling like I can't, or feeling like someone else could do something better or just that I would rather hide. Usually it's that I would rather hide, (laughs) but, um, I, I've had to learn like, no, I'm going to silence that voice because it's also to me, at least in my life, that insecurity was also woven with intimidation. And Mm -hmm. so what would happen is every time that I would feel to do something or say something, that intimidation would come where I'd be like, oh no, I can't like, oh no, I need to be quiet. And um, so I think a great way to combat that is just get a boldness about you. Realize, Mm -hmm. no, if God tells you to do something, if God has called you to do something, or even if your pastor has asked you to do something, your pastor's wife has placed something in your hands that's a ministry for you to do and you feel inadequate and you feel not enough, uh, know that God is really good at making not enough into enough. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like the story with the the fish and the loaves and the little boy's lunch. And and it, it says that I love this about this story is that even after all these people are fed, it was it was not um the lunch obviously wasn't enough to feed even two people, right? Much less however many thousands were there. Um, but it says that it wasn't just enough. God didn't just make that little boy's lunch enough to feed all those people, but that there were baskets, I think at 12 baskets of fragments left over. And so God made it to where it was abundance, like way more than enough. And, and he does that with us. And there's so actually so many stories in scripture that God shows us that like, I don't really need what you bring to the table, but I'll use it and I'll multiply it and then I'll let it be to overflow. And so it's just that stepping out of initially of just doing this uncomfortable thing and being okay. If you're not the best at it, don't be a perfectionist. Um, Don't be prideful to think, you know, more of yourself or less of yourself, uh, either way that you lean on that, uh, have some humility and say, if I fall flat on my face, I was obedient. Yeah. If I fall flat on my face, if, if everyone laughs at me, if, if it's just the worst thing ever, I was nothing less than obedient. And so that's what God wants. And so, um, do what he tells you to do, do what he asks you to do. If he opens the door, walk through it. And, um, in time, you'll get that confidence and boldness naturally. But at first, you might have to just silence some voices that are saying, hey, you're not enough. Hey, do you know who you are? Do you know what you did? Do you know where you went, who you were, whatever that is? And and just silence the voice and say, no, I'm going to be bold because I have the Holy Ghost, right? Like mm-hmm. the power of Christ is working in me. Surely I can do this thing that he's placed before me. And so, um, so yeah, so it, it, with intimidation, uh, when that comes or just, it's totally just about who stand up, pick your head up, you know, 
and um, just do the thing that he set before you and understand that he'll make you enough. If you have a right spirit, you know, do everything that you can do on your part and then know God makes up the difference and he'll do it to overflow. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing that. That was such a good way to close out this conversation. Um, thank you again, just for everything that you've shared. I really believe that um, just many of the things that you said are going to minister to people. And obviously that's the goal of this conversation yes. and um, to help people, first of all, establish the habit of Bible reading and prayer like you did early on in your walk with God, but then also to, to step out in boldness and faith and do the things that God has called them to do and to make an impact in the harvest. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for everything that you shared, Sister Cindy. I am greatly appreciative. Thank you for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit megunedited.com. And that's a lie. There's not a typed entry. But you could still visit megunedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I so look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, amazing, joy-filled Friday.